Welcome to Ravel Radio. I'm your host, Kara Steinman, and I'm all about helping women entrepreneurs get connected. We live in a society that benefits from women being disconnected from ourselves and disconnected from each other, often at the expense of our financial, physical, and mental health. And that really pisses me off. I believe the key to dismantling those systems of oppression lies smack dab in the collective power of women. I've made it my mission to help remove the obstacles that keep us separate so we can join forces, build more wealth, and make a bigger impact together than we ever could alone. These are the conversations that will get us there. Who's coming with me? And I'm with Jamie Van Kike today. Hey, Jamie. Hello. How are you today? Well, we covered this just briefly before I hit (laughs) record, but I think I'm getting sick. So not super pumped on that. But so if I seem a little off today, um, we're going to blame it on that. But yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. It's it's still nice and sunny here in Florida. Say, so it looks sunny. It looks like a beautiful day out. We're here to talk right? about <laughs> we're here to talk about what you know about hiring and all the things that come along with that. So if you wouldn't mind just giving a little introduction, sharing with everyone who you are and kind of what you do, and then I will ask my burning questions. Sounds good. Well, hello everyone. I am Jamie Van Kike. I am the owner of Growing Your Team. At Growing Your Team, we strive to make business owners feel confidence with the hiring process. We provide hiring education, guidance, and even some full-service recruiting so you can master the art of hiring and get employees on your team or even contractors on your extended team that are worth their paycheck. Nice. I love this because I am somebody who always thought I wanted, I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to have a team. I don't want to hire people, but I do have a small team. I have some VAs that I work with now and they're amazing, but I'm still, I still don't feel like a very good leader a lot of the time in my business. And I'm curious what you run into. What what are some of the things you run into when people are resistant to hiring, but they really know they need to? Yeah. Well, first off, like the resistance to hiring, I think it's exactly like you say, it's like, well, I don't want to lead people. I don't want to manage a team. So I'm just going to hire contractors. And I think we need to realize that when we're working with contractors, we're still managing those relationships. We're still leading those relationships. So unless you are really running a business that is 100% you and you're not working with anyone else, you still have to realize that you're a leader and your leadership skills matter. You might not necessarily be a people manager, but you're still a leader. And you know, as you're bringing in those, even those contractors, you have people leadership skills that you really need to, to focus on and grow. And, and it's, we have to understand that no one is born a naturally good people leader. We might have leadership skills that make us more of a natural leader than other people, but that doesn't always translate to people leadership when it comes to managing. So that is always kind of like one of the things I see hold people back is just we're afraid to cross into that people leadership thing because we don't want to do it. We see it as a lot of work and it is work, but when you focus on it, it can be easy work once you have the right skills and you have the right people on your team. Yeah. I have my suspicions about leadership and firstborn children because we I'm the oldest of four. So I think some of us do have more like bossiness in us, more like willingness to say, come on, let's go. This is what we're doing. But that doesn't mean that we're necessarily like good at managing the people, right? Yes. So yeah. And that that's a problem. I see that as a big problem because I know in my own business, I have a very specific skill set. And when I step out of that skill set and I'm forced to adapt to do things that are not in my like unconscious competence zone, I 
I start to burn out, I start to like not enjoy the day and I'm I'm not as good as I could be at the other things that I'm supposed to be good at. So like really to stay in our genius zone, we have to rely on people who are good at the other things, right? Yes. Yes. You definitely have to, you know, you're not good at everything. You started a business because you had skills at something and it's typically the skills that you're using to serve your clients when it comes to the other things in your business and what makes a business function and what makes a business to be able to grow. They're not things that you're naturally good at. They're not things that you already have those skills at. So you either have to learn how to do it yourself, which takes time and in some ways costs you money either because you have to spend to go and learn or because you're doing those things, it's taking money away from your business because you're not selling and serving your clients. Or you need to hire someone who has those skills that you need. How is it going to impact my business for somebody else to do this? We prioritize and then we can start seeing these are the things we need to delegate first. And then we create positions around there. We sometimes have to be careful of not trying to hire a jack of all trades. So we don't want to say, all right, well, this person is going to do X, Y, and Z unless X, Y, and Z actually makes sense to go together under one position title. So sometimes we want to hire multiple experts instead of just one person who could do it all. And if that's, the t- if that's the case, start with the most pressing items first, get that person onboarded, get that person really functioning well in your team, and then go for the second person. That makes me feel like, going back to what you said about systems, that operations, a person, <clears throat> if your systems aren't, what if, if you're not a systems person and you work a little more agile And you know that you need to hire somebody, but you don't have your systems in place because you're not a systems person. That makes me feel like there would maybe be an instinct to hire a systems person, but that maybe it'd be best to do that, like have a contractor come in and help you set up systems. So then you could hire somebody in those to work in those systems to do the things in your business that you need done that are not things that you need to be doing. Yes. Yes. That And that happens a lot. Like um, probably almost a year ago now, I had someone come to me and is like, I need to hire. And we go through the conversations to try to figure out, okay, what type of support do they need? Are they the right client for us to support? And we identified that exact problem. They didn't have any processes. It was kind of like every project was different and 100% different of how they approached it, how they went through it. And so we recognized that the first person that they needed to bring on was a contractor who could help them systematize their process. That seems helpful because if you're hiring somebody who is doing the things that you don't do, that you don't enjoy doing, there's a good chance their temperament, their personality is going to be a little bit different. Maybe they enjoy working in systems and doing repetitive things the same way every time. Maybe that's safe for them. And like I know personally, I'm a quick start on the Colby and I don't enjoy doing the same thing twice. Like I think that's my Myers-Briggs coming through. I'm like an ENFP. And I, and so that's just how I operate. And so it's hard for me to put systems in place that repeat themselves because I'm always fiddling with it, but that's not helpful for my VAs because they need, they don't need to have every call that we get on be like, here's how things have changed. They need to, (laughs) that's not helpful. So how do you account for that when you're hiring? How do you, how do you work within the process of hiring somebody knowing that they're going to have probably have a very different personality than you are? Yeah. So that is like, I, I love that you brought this up because this is such an important thing, you know, because it's always one of those things where you hear the saying sometimes in like corporate speak, they'll be like, oh, this person's highly talented. Just get them on the bus and then we can find the right seat for them later. So when we work with our clients, not only do we figure out what is this position in terms of tasks and responsibilities and level of authority, we also need to figure out what is going to make that person fit into that culture and who you are as a boss when you're in a small business really dictates that culture a lot early on. So if you're the person that is 
always bouncing to that new idea, maybe you're you're recognizing that you need that person that can rein you in. That's going to say, okay, Kara, that's great, but we really need to bring it through this process. And you're hiring that person specifically to do that. So we need to make sure that when we go to look for someone, we're looking for someone who has experience being that person who can rein in that boss, that's not afraid to provide that feedback of saying, that's great, but here's why we can't do that right now. And this is, I'm always heartbroken on self-awareness as an entrepreneur and needing to know who, what you're all about and how you operate because how you are affects the rest of your business, affects the people that work for you. And I, <laughs> I have, I'm neurodivergent, I'm ADHD, and I have a touch of the oppositional defiance disorder. So when someone tells me, hey, no, we really, you can't do that, it makes me want to do it. So how do you, what yeah. do you look for when, when you're like considering those things? What do you look for? Yeah. So some of it would be like, we like to ask the question of like, okay, Okay, if you tell me that I need someone to, let's just go back to this, uh, rating someone in with your ideas. Okay, well, what does that look like for you? What's going to make you be happy versus not happy with the way they approach it? So the way that you just described that, the thing that I would look for with a candidate would we would go and develop interview questions to pull these experiences out, but I'd look for experiences where they didn't say no, they didn't push back. It was maybe ask questions to dive deeper. You know what? That's a great idea. Let's dive into that a little bit more. So maybe then it's you, Kara, deciding in that situation, you know what, you're right. Now that I, now that I take a second to think through this, this isn't the right thing to move forward with. Let's do this. Totally. And that's, you know, I don't know if it's core values or if it's personality, but there are certain people who are are much more interested in efficiency and they might be the ones that would just say, no, that's not going to work. Get back to like moving on. It's not as efficient, maybe short term to ask those questions and kind of dive into what the other person's thinking and have empathy and really be curious about that to get to the to the next answer. So maybe so I'm curious too so you help clients develop questions, interview questions. Yes. So they can talk to me about how like what are some of the ways that you help what are, what are some of the reasons what are what are some of the things you're looking for in these interview questions. Hey there. Sorry to interrupt. I wanted to pop in here real quick and say thanks for being here. If you're enjoying this episode, I've got a special treat for you. You can now get early access to the full uncut Ravel Radio episodes, as well as bonus conversations exploring everything from feminist entrepreneurship to neurodiverse business strategies. It's a little bit like being a fly on the wall for a really juicy conversation. And it's free. All you have to do to get the inside scoop is subscribe to our private podcast called Unraveled. To get access, just visit RavelCollective.com slash Unraveled to sign up and start listening. The link is in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. So when we work with our clients, we take them through what we call our hiring kickoff call. And on that call, I ask them a series of questions to really uncover who it is that they're looking for. Like I said, more than just being able to do these type of tasks, but who's going to fit well into the organization. And I really listen and kind of like pull the thread through of everything that they say. So, and I always tell my clients, I'm not providing you these questions ahead of time because I want you to ramble. I want you to say whatever comes to the top of your mind versus telling me the perfect answer because there is no perfect answer here. But I pull the thread through to say, okay, they said this over here. They said this here. They said this here. All right. This is the type of person that they're looking for. This is the personality. This is what's going to make someone really their idea candidate. So we take that, we then we create that picture of that idea candidate. It's just mostly a list of, you say, strong communication skills. 
all right, well, here's how you measure strong communication skills for this person in this position in your organization. We'll then develop questions or pull questions from our interview bank that will uncover that type of communication skills. And communication skills might not necessarily be the best example to give there because sometimes communication skills, we look overall. All right, you want a person that really explains things? Well, do they give you a lot of detail throughout all their all their answers and things like that? But we develop questions that, that either directly or indirectly uncovers what we want to know. So we'll ask a question. Typically, our questions fall into what we call the behavioral interview category of interview questions, which means we say, tell me about a time when, give me an example of. So they really have to dive into examples from their past work experience to support their answer or show that they've been in similar situations before. With our questions, a lot of them, we have what we call follow-up questions. So we like to say, we're not going to lead the horse to water. We're going to just put them out on the pasture and see what they give us. All right, now we need to get them a little bit closer to that pond. So we're going to we're going to ask other questions to kind of pull them there, but at least we get to see at first what do they think of when we approach this subject. I'm curious what kinds of things you're looking for when you're reading between the lines. Yeah, so when you read between the lines on it on a resume, it's typically like you're tr- you're trying to say or develop that candidate's whole story. Well, because they said this, I'm going to assume that they have this type of experience, which maybe they're good at this and I guess they're not good at this. And you're trying to create this whole story based off these bullet points. And you can't really do that. So you have to really focus on what is actually there on a resume and what is important. And one of these stories I like to tell all the time is a client of mine, we were working together years ago and she was a consulting client. So she reviewed all the resumes and then she was having me do a second check on them to make sure she was making the right decisions. And one of them, I knew they weren't the right person to move forward to an interview. So I asked her, I said, why is this person moving forward to an interview? And she looked back through the resume now that she was being questioned about it. And she was, she was like, I, I don't know. And I was like, okay, well, do they have what we call our must-have criteria? And we'll get into that in a minute of this how to review a resume. And she looked through it and she said, no. And I was like, okay, well, why are you inviting them for an interview? And she looked at it again and looked at it again. And she goes, because the resume is pretty. (laughs) This position had nothing to do with design. And the thing is, anytime I tell this story, people do laugh because you're like, oh my gosh, that's so ridiculous. Why would I have hired somebody else to build their resume, right? Like people hire other people to do that. Right. And, and the thing is we sometimes are biased by things that are on a resume that make us say yes, or make us say no, that have nothing to do with that person's skills. So we really want to make sure we're looking for the right things and not being swayed in the wrong direction by things that don't matter for the job. Because like I said, for this job, design wasn't even a, a criteria. It wasn't something they would ever touch in this role. So, but we do, but it happens all the time. So it seems silly. It seems ridiculous, but it happens. So the way we teach our clients is to look at a resume and not read between the lines is is we give them three must-have things that they're looking for in a resume. So this will depend on the job, but we say, here's what to look for and here's how to identify it on that resume. So it could be, all right, this person's gonna be working with your clients and you need someone because what you told us is customer service skills is highly important. They must have customer service experience. They must have experience working with clients. All right, have they been in roles where they've worked with clients before? Even if it wasn't in their current role, even if it was two jobs back and they 
did that job for three years, but they worked face-to-face with clients. Okay, check, they got that. Do they have this type of skill? Sometimes it is, well, we're hiring someone. uh, I work with a lot of interior designers. So hiring someone for certain positions must have certain design skills. Okay, do they have jobs where they have had to have these design skills? We don't necessarily judge them on the level of their design skills yet because we can't tell that on a resume. A resume is just words. But do they have the basic design skills that say, yes, let's bring you into an interview. So we say three. And the reason we say three is more than three, you're really digging into the weeds. Three should be enough. And then we say if they have those three, they go into the yes pile. They don't have them. They go into the no pile. If they have two, depending on the one that they're missing, they might go into a maybe pile. Are there any other like kind of big things that people do that you're like, don't do that? Yes. Oh, the first one that comes to mind (laughs) is hiring based on emotions. And this is like, we see that candidate that comes in and maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend and they need a job and you feel for them and you want to be that person's hero. So you want to give them that job to help them out. But you can't do that if it's not going to be the right fit for your business, because then you're going to struggle every day and you're taking on the weight of that decision. So we really need to make sure that someone is right for the role. And then if they're right for the role and you're deciding between two candidates and you want to make that emotional decision because this person here really, really needs the job, this person over here, yeah, they're skilled, but they'll be fine in their current job if they don't switch to switch to your company. Yeah, then bring emotions into it. But emotions always needs to be that last thing that comes into the process and not the first. So always make sure the person's qualified. And then the other one does just kind of triggers off of that is basing everything on personality. We talk about personality is a must have because you're a small business, but it can't be everything. You need to make sure once again, that the person can do the job. It doesn't matter if you want to go out and have coffee dates with this person or go out to happy hour on Fridays to wrap up the work week with this person if they can't do the job. Like do they need to be able to do the job? Look for that connection second. Yes. Like what when you're saying all this, it makes me feel like I should, when I walk through the door of my office, I should maybe take off my mom and sister and friend hat and put on my CEO hat or my my entrepreneur hat. And it's it's hard. I think a lot of a lot of women, especially when we do go into business, we tend to like not think of ourselves as seriously as entrepreneurs. We're like maybe a freelancer when we start out or something like that. And it blurs the line a little bit. So like taking your business yeah. really seriously feels like it would make the hiring process a lot more efficient and effective. Yes, definitely. And oh, I'm glad you said that because actually just yesterday I recorded a podcast for my uh, podcast and it was all about hiring friends. And the biggest thing I talked about, it was like, okay, before we decide if hiring this particular friend is right, you need to decide and figure out if you can actually manage a friend because you need to be able to remove that friend hat and put on that boss hat when you're in the office. And then you need to be able to remove that boss hat and put on that friend hat when you're going back and interacting like you've always had outside of the office and those other things. And for so many people, they can't take off that friend hat and have those needed business conversations because they're too worried about hurting that relationship. And it's like those conversations need to happen. So if you know you can't do that, then you shouldn't go about hiring your friends. Like you need to be able to be a boss when you need to be a boss because otherwise you're hurting your business. And when you hurt your business, you're more likely than putting your business at risk, which puts that person's job at risk anyway. Vicious cycle. And and you're talking more like this is more critical to keep in mind when you're hiring for an employee, boss employee situation, right? Like I hire people that I consider friends as contractors to do small projects quite often. And 
it's not that big a deal because it's a we're very distinctly different businesses providing services. So that's a different sort of hiring I, situation. I think it does kind of go into hiring contractors as well, because sometimes I've seen it before. I've been in conversations where people are like, what do I do? They hired someone as a contractor. That contractor is not living up to their expectations. And then they're like, but but I don't want to have that conversation with them because I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want to tell them that they're, they're failing in my eyes. And so they keep paying this person or they accept the subpar work that doesn't meet their expectation because they're afraid to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And and so I think it's not as serious when you go and hire contractors because the fact that typically there is that clear end of that relationship. So you can say, all right, I'm going to suck it up. I know maybe they're going through a hard time personally. They have a lot going on with their kids, with their spouse, with, you know, they're moving or whatever. So you're willing to, to forgive a little bit. But if you forgive too much, then you're pretty much throwing money away. So you still need to be able to have those conversations. What happens if things don't go well? What happens when even something out of their control, but it impacts me and my business? Good. Well, thank you. This has been really enlightening. I've enjoyed this conversation tremendously. And you have an offer. You have a checklist that our listeners can check out, right? Yes. So we have the hiring checklist where you can go download it and um, it will give you the eight steps that you really need to go through and think through as you're going to hire. So we'll talk about in there, defining your idea candidate, writing those, those interview questions, really taking the time all around that. It'll take you all the way up to onboarding your team member so expectations can be set right. So that way you can have a person on your team that meets your expectations and that you're happy with. Because just because someone can do the job well, you have to remember they haven't done it for you yet. So they need to know what you expect and what you want out of them. Yes. Awesome. And you, well, we'll, you can get that at growingyourteam.com slash checklist. Perfect. We'll include the link too. And then you hang out on Instagram primarily, yes. is that right? Okay. So yes. we'll include the Instagram link as well. And yeah. everybody should go connect with Jamie. Yes. So yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're so welcome. I love today's conversation and being able to share all these insights. Yes. Super important. So if you think you need help, talk to Jamie. Otherwise, get the checklist and just at least start there. Yes. So, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to join our private podcast, Unraveled. That's where you'll get early access to the raw, unedited Ravel radio conversations, as well as bonus content. It's totally free and easy to subscribe. Just visit ravelcollective.com slash unraveled to sign up.